we'll get do some serious stuff here now. Quit chit-chatting about stuff and get on with the serious stuff. So, All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you will. And uh, we're going to go back in here in verse number 12 and 13 with these guys. Uh, as Paul, uh, in verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that ye, there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there, be, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And again, Paul is going to address the issue here of division and division within the local assembly at Corinth. But then really, as we look at these guys, we begin to see that this division really also sits even today in the church today. And this isn't just an isolated incident uh, to just Corinth. It's actually a condition within the church and one, I read a gentleman one time a few years ago, and he said, the modern church is a Corinthian church. And it's very true, it is. When you look around at the church at large, the, it's, it fits right here because there, are, there is divisions and contentions. So Paul is going to, once again here, I want to just, I don't want to run away from the four guys in verse 12. So we're going to look at 12 and 13 this morning and then move on down uh, uh, next time in the, uh, talking about baptism and stuff. And we'll say a few things here in a minute about that. But again, verse 10 is how you understand that this is not about personalities. It's about four different doctrinal systems. When he says there, uh, some say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas and of Christ, most of the time... People, the commentaries, the theologians will say this is like ability issues, this is personality issues, and they'll use, they'll use Acts 18 with Apollos being eloquent in the scripture compared to Paul being rude and not uh, very smooth and so forth. And it's, ra- it's not even that at all because quite honestly, how could a group of people 20-some years after Christ was dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended, some 700 miles away from, or 200 miles, whatever it is, away from Jerusalem, like Christ, and a likability. They never met the man, see. They never met Peter. Peter wouldn't have liked them anyway because they're Gentiles, see. So it isn't likability. It isn't personality at all. It's rather doctrinal, and how you know that is verse 10, and that's what we spent so much time last time in verse 10, because the challenge here is that we all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, Paul isn't saying we're going to say everything the same way. He's talking about the same doctrine, the same mindset, the same thinking process, the same judgment, the same that, 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 that looking at things and discerning how to deal, how to take the, the doctrine and apply it to the details of life. And when he gets into this, Paul here, again, the book of, the book of First and Second Corinthians. Now Paul writes two other times to him in Scripture. First Corinthians is going to provide doctrine that is intended to cause the believer to have the same speech, to have the same mind, and to have the same judgment. That's the intent of 1 Corinthians. It's to come in and it's to reprove. It's going to correct the bad behavior, but it's corrective doctrine to get the believer to accomplish verse 10. That's a major issue here at Corinth. It's a major issue amongst the church. Verse 11, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe. It's interesting he names the house that's doing the reporting. And the reason for that, uh, just my own personal opinion of it, 
is what he says over there in chapter 11 and verse 18. We looked at last time, but first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Well, how did he hear that? Some folks have made the report. But look at verse 19, 11, 19. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. The, the they. I think he's talking about the house of Chloe, 111. The, they, they that are approved. Those that are holding to the rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2, 15, we talked about last time. So when you come back here to 111, he is pointing the Corinthians to those that are approved, those that are holding. Hey, who told me this wasn't some gossip mill? It was rather the people that you ought to be paying attention to, the house of Chloe. They're approved among you. Then he says, uh, I'm back in chapter 1, verse 11, that there are contentions among you. So there's infighting that's begun. There's contentions. And, and again, <laughs> We have to keep in mind that Paul's talking to the Corinthians, but he's also talking to the church today. Because are there infightings today in the church at large? Yeah, there is. You got how many denominations out there? How many different divisions? Why is that? See, the contentions and the divisions that are there, Paul's going to address here. And the reason for the divisions and the contentions is the result of the doctrinal differences that exist when you fail to rightly divide the word. And I, I told you last week, the gloves are off now. Paul is not, he is, he is with intention being offensive. Because that's the only way to get people to shut up, sit down, and pay attention. It's to be offensive. It's to stand in their way. It's to withstand them. That thing in Galatians 2 when Titus and them go in, uh, Titus, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians 2, 3, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue. Paul says when they, those guys started, we shut them up right away. We didn't even let them get 10 minutes in to their raw, raw contention. No, why? Because sometimes you have to do that. Now here at Corinth, he's dealing with babes, babies spiritually. And what do you do with the baby? You don't let the baby have a discussion with you. You do what? You do, boom, you sit there, be quiet. I'm telling you because I'm dad. See, that's what you do with children. What are the Corinthians? So the gloves, come back to 1 Corinthians 1. So the gloves are off here, okay? And, and I'm going to sound like that at times. I'm not mad at anybody yet, but uh, that's a joke, okay? All right? But I'm going to sound like that because I want you to catch the tone and the tenor of Paul here. Paul's not just saying, hey, let's go to Starbucks and have a cup of coffee and talk. Paul's not doing that at all. Paul's got the, he's got the, the belt out. He's got the disc here, and he's going to use corrective doctrine to deal with the issues here of contention. 111, there's contentions among you. Divisions and contentions are the result of the doctrinal differences that exist when you fail to rightly divide the word. When you fail to the, go to the God-ordained source for information. Okay, Now, that doesn't mean that what Christ preached wasn't truth, or what Peter in Acts 2 and following is going to preach is truth, or even what Apollos is doing is true, isn't truth. It's just not the truth for today. See? And that's... Christ, Apollos, and Cephas are Bible doctrine. Paul is sound doctrine. Bible doctrine and sound doctrine are two different things. If they weren't, Paul would have never said, follow after sound doctrine. See? Okay? Noah and the flood and the ark is Bible doctrine. It's true. It happened. It's, accurate. it's, it's God's word. It's just how many of us are building boats today? Oh, except I saw a guy doing it on, in, oh, man, pretty wood boat. I'm like, ooh, man, you know. 
He had one for sale. It's only $500,000, but my goodness, was it, oof. I'd have to get a slip or something to keep it in the water to keep it floating, you know. <laughs> but the thing, oh, it's just beautiful. Now, we're not doing that, see, okay. There's one in Kentucky? Okay, there you go. All right, we're going to Kentucky. Yeah, $5,000, you said? No. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, Noah's Ark. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's, I didn't even put it together. There you go. That's, that's okay. See, that's what Paul's getting at. Now, verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. That's the four sects. Those four men, God's men, okay, are where the church is divided up at large. Some will say we follow Christ and the red words and so forth. And then others will say, no, we follow Acts 2 and the ministry of Peter. And some will come in and say, no, we do this and this and that. So here, here, we, here we are with these four men. And the problem at Corinth, and again, the, I'll say the church today at large, is this issue here of this fold for division that comes about, the divisions and the contentions that comes about from a doctrinal differences, not personality, not likability, not any of that, rather the doctrinal differences. So you got to catch the gravity here of it because the question that comes up then is how can it be that by gravitating toward one of the four here is going to cause divisions and and contentions. See, that's really the question. How then does that happen? Because they're all scriptural, see. They're just not what? Dispensational. And that's where they've fallen apart. Why is there infighting? Why is there division? Because these four systems of doctrine have the Corinthians have taken them and put them in there. And you know what that does? It causes you not to say the same thing. It, does, it causes you to think differently, and it causes you to come and apply things of life differently. The Lord in his earthly ministry tells Israel to sell all that they have and bring it to the, and give alms. Peter says, sell all you have and bring it to the feet of the apostles. The Lord says, sell all and give alms, see. Peter brings it down to your, the little flock right here. But what does Paul say about giving as a man? Per, well, then you can't follow both, see? you got to pick and choose which one you want, see? So now what do we have? Now we have divisions because this side of the room is Peter. This side of the room is Paul. This side of the room is, nah, let's, uh, we're going to go to Christ today because it's the fifth Sunday, so we're going to, you know. And so now you just got this craziness, and you don't have the unity. So again, 2 Timothy 2.15 is going to play a big issue here. And again, that issue of rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and, and really, that is, the, that is the, the, the goal of for a believer. It's not rightly dividing truth from error. It's we take the truth the Word of God, we recognize and acknowledge the places where God has already placed the cuts, the division, see? When God, God is the one that went to Abraham and said, from now on, to be my people and to partake in what I'm doing, you have to be circumcised. When he did that with Abraham, there was no Israel, there was no Jew, there was just nothing but Gentiles, and then what did he do? He said, now you, you, now here's the line, I'm doing the cutting. God did that, see. So what do we do? We come in, we don't make a new cut. We just apply that cut where it begins. So we're, we're recognizing, we're acknowledging that there are differences in the truth. Simple and clear. Because the truth, when you think about the word of God, it's presented to us in, in, in a very wonderful manner of, Past, present, and future. Do you know that Peter uses the term but now? It's not exclusive to Paul. But when you read where Peter does that in 1 Peter, and he says, but now this, there's a timing element of that, isn't there? That you move over and you put it out there in the future. 
and so forth. So these four divisions, uh, come back to Colossians 1 if you're not there. I'm, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1 if you're not there. These different doctrinal systems cannot and do not operate at the same time. And that's what verse 13 is about, okay? You can't follow the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and Peter, i.e. Acts 1 to 7, and you can't follow them and accomplish the same thing because they say different things. One is laying in the turn, and the other one's advancing that doctrine to the next level. You think about P Apollos and Paul. They don't say the same thing. They're not doing the same. So you can't do that. And what helps with that is verse 13. By the way, at Corinth, there are people there. There's a man. We saw him last time in, in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. He comes in, and he brings in the Jewish idea. Guess what? There's Paul, or there's Peter, there's Apollos, and there's Christ. See? And it's causing people to stick with Acts 2, Peter, or Apollos, and that just results in divisions and contentions and, and no unity. If you could get, if, 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 if you could follow the four guys and have unity, this would not be an issue in Scripture. But it is. So that tells you what? You can't do it. Well, but I want to do it. I just love the words in red. Good. But that isn't your doctrine for today. You can't do See, okay? I knew a guy one time, a dear brother. I knew his kids, played with his kids growing up. And you know what he did? He practiced Acts 2, selling out, sell everything you had. So you know what he did? He sold everything but the house. And the only reason he didn't sell his house is because the house was set in his wife's name, and he couldn't do it. You know what he did? He was following the verses because the verses say he was believing the preacher that told him. The, so he goes to the preacher that he was with at the time and says, hey, I did that. And he goes, oh, you did what? You're not supposed to do it. It's a spiritual teaching, and he spiritualized it. Rather, and, and the dear brother, he, he was like, no, I, that literally took what the verse said. Well, you know why? Because that's what the little flock did. They took it literally and went and did it. Remember the, the, uh, the, the, the couple that didn't and then they died. I just, in Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira. Remember what they, they literally did and then they kept a peace bag and it cost them, see. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Isn't that interesting, the question? Is Christ divided? No, Christ isn't divided. You see, Paul's not saying, hey, we're going to, don't you guys down there at Corinth know that we're all preaching the same thing? He's not saying that at all, see. He's saying, look, if there's four separate individual systems of doctrine of revelation here, would Christ allow the four to operate at the same time? The answer is no, because it, he's not the author of confusion. See, there was an idea years ago, it's still around in times, that right now, while the body's going on, the little flock is existing over here in a, in a mystery state. We don't know it. Do you know that that's, that's uh, heresy? That means there's two ways to heaven. Because I can go Paul's way. Or I can go find the little flock and join them. It's confusion. That's all that's designed to do is to bring in confusion, you see. You can't be. It's not an either or. It's a this is what God's doing. And that's what Paul's doing. By the way, was Paul crucified for you? Well, no. Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Isn't that interesting? If they were teaching the same thing, then there would be unity and there would not be these questions being raised. See, Think about, uh, come over to John chapter 3. I, I just, you got to think about what's happening here. John chapter 3. I'll give you an illustration of this. John 3, we'll just start in verse 24. John 3, 24. Now, Christ and John the Baptist are on the scene together. Now, in our four, sec, our four men, Apollos is the one that's representing 
the ministry of John the Baptist. Okay, we'll get over there in just a minute, I hope. For verse 20, John 3, 24, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Okay? And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the, the same baptizes thee, and all men come to him. So who is he talking about? The Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So John, so we got to, by the way, purifying, i.e. water baptism. That's what the priesthood stuff's all about, okay? John answered, verse 27, and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Notice what he just said there. He goes, I'm not the bride. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the what? The friend of, see? I'm the crier in the wilderness. He's the issue. Now look at verse 30. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, must what? increase, but I must. See what John the Baptist understood clearly what the plan, what the program was and is. See, he understands clearly that he's not the issue. Who's the issue? Jesus Christ. So in the ministry, in the message of John, what's happening here literally is the disciples of John are, set, are, are trying to get John to be jealous of the Lord's ministry because now everybody's going where? To the Lord. Come back to chapter 1 of John. Chapter 1. See, that's a division. That's a contention. And John shut it down. He said, no, that's, you guys got the plan wrong. The plan was for me to announce him, manifest him, make him known to Israel, and then go away. By the way, he's shortly thrown in jail, and then he's dead, so he's gone. John 1 if you look there at verse 35, and again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, see, John's disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they, what, followed Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Here you've got John the Baptist. He's calling out the little flock, the believing element. And then Jesus shows up. He starts preaching, and they leave John and follow Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. You see, the 12 apostles were believers way prior to come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. See, they were followers of John the Baptist first. Got to catch that. Now watch. Uh, verse 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon. So now he goes and gets Peter and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. And the day following Jesus. And then you get Philip and Andrew. And all of a sudden, these guys aren't 12 apostles here. See? They're what? They're just disciples of John who are now what? Disciples of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because he just brought them prior in the wilderness, announcing the way, and I'm, I'm the Messiah. Paul, Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, you guys at Corinth, you babes in Christ, you're following the wrong. Is Christ divided? No, he's not. Even within his own ministry, John the Baptist understood when it was time to decrease and him to increase. His own followers, he's communicating to his own followers that I'm here to announce his way. Now, come back to 1 Corinthians 1. See, By the way, who is the master of confusion? Satan is. See, 
How does Satan work? How does he confuse? He uses God's word to do it, see. He comes in and he'll use a little, he'll use a little gospel red words of Christ on you. He'll use a little 1 John 1, 9 you. He'll use a little Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 6, you know. You know, ain't you living in Beatitudes? <laughs> he uses all of that, see. But none of it is what, all of it's true. It's truth. It's just not dispensational, see. So the question here of is he divided, well, no. So then which system are we to follow, see? Now, real quick, watch what Paul does, verse 13, okay? Was Paul crucified for you? We'll talk about that in, 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 in when we get down in the passage. But then he says, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Now, the answer to those questions is no and no because of what he says next. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. Now, you have to read that stuff very carefully because did Paul baptize? Yes. He baptized the Philippian jailer in Acts 16. He ain't in the list. So then what's Paul getting at here with the Corinthians? It isn't that I didn't baptize. It's rather, look, guys, water baptism is being used here to cause some of the contentions and divisions because does Christ water baptize? Yes. Does Peter? Yes. Did Apollos? Yes. Did Paul? Yes. But which one is it? See? Okay. All right. Because what's happening here is Peter, I'm sorry, Paul here in the context, he's gonna, he references water baptism because it's what's being used to cause, gin up some of the differences. So in the context, is, it, is water baptism and the preaching of water baptism bringing unity and harmony to the saints at Corinth? No, it's not. See? Because some are dunking, some are sprinkling, some are just spiritualizing it, you know. Some actually got to read, you know, doing that, what John did, see. And all it's doing is like, well, what is it? Could you imagine if I stood up here and said we need to raise $25,000 to put a baptismal behind me because now we're going to water baptize? Where did that come from, see? Well, it comes from these guys. It comes from the doctrine, see. So I, Paul is going to identify the cause. We'll get into this hopefully next time, the water baptism. And, but notice what Paul does. He doesn't treat water baptism as something that is important or needful or significant. Rather, what did he just do? I thank God I didn't baptize any of you. He's downplaying the, and he's demonstrating the insignificance of water baptism. Look at verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. But wait a minute, Paul, you did all in Acts. Yeah, well, that's the provoking ministry side, see. But to preach the gospel and on you go. See, what Paul's going to do here is he's going to demonstrate, he's going to downplay the insignificance of water baptism and the fact that it is losing significance. So when we're looking at the four, each have something to say about water baptism, and they're all saying something different. See, if they were saying the same thing, there would be unity and harmony, and there is not. By the way, chapter 12, verse 13, Paul says that we have a spirit baptism, and he'll get into that when we get over there. The reason for the divisions and the contentions is each of these four teach something about water baptism and that demonstrates their failure to understand the only source, the only true source of truth today is what was given to and revealed through the Apostle Paul for the age of grace. So Paul, in dealing with water baptism, it's not to emphasize its importance. It's rather to Make, say, hey, it's insignificant. It isn't the issue today. The issue is preaching the gospel.
Now, come over to Matthew 10. Let's talk about Christ. Uh, all right, we'll pick up. Now, all that was introduction. That half hour is introduction. So the next hour, we're going to get into it. Look at Matthew 10. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. There's just so much here, and I wrote it all out. So, you know, because there's just a lot of information here. When you think, I just want to get you to get the over. The overview. Matthew chapter 10. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not Matthew 28. It's Matthew 10. The reason it's the Great Commission in Matthew 10 is because it starts on the day of the Lord's earthly ministry where he identifies the 12 apostles, and it extends out all the way through verse 23, which is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It covers the whole span of the prophetic program that's now on board. By the way, in verse 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what you shall speak, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father, which that's the Acts ministry, Acts 1 to 7. See? It's covered. They're not wandering around going, what do we do now, George? Hey, help, help. None of that. See, They know what they're going to be doing. It's clearly laid out. They're going to be educated by the Lord in the earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit comes in the Acts ministry, educates them to the next level, and then the 70th week is to happen, and then the second coming. And They're on board, okay? But notice what he does say in Matthew 10, because when people say, we follow the words of Christ, the question you ask him is, oh, really, do you? Okay? Because the Lord says some strange things. First of all, someone says that to you. First of all, they don't really know what he said. That's number one. Number two, they don't recognize that the words of Christ are being spoken today through the Apostle Paul. They don't recognize that. And you can go to 1 Timothy 6, verse 3, when he talks about the words of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, 37. We will here in a little bit where he says, the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. They don't recognize that. But think about when they say that. They don't understand what he said. You remember Zacchaeus, the little, wee little man? They go to his house, and you know what the Lord says? There's salvation in his house because he is the son of Abraham. Remember at the woman, 18 years, you know, trouble, he heals her. And says, Behold, I healed her, but why? She's the daughter of Abraham. But do you remember the woman at the well, the little Canaanite woman? And he makes a reference to her being a dog. She's a Gentile. It's not meat to take the crumbs from the table from the children or the meat, the bread from the children, and feed it to the dogs. And she recognizes her place and position. That's why he says to her, Great faith hath no more, you know, and so forth. But he just called the Gentile a dog. See, if you don't know what the Lord said, I wouldn't be following what the Lord said. <laughs> See, I'd be very careful with that. See, so there's some weird things that he does say and do that go, wait a minute, I'm not quite on board with that. See, so the question when I hear people say, we follow the words of Christ, the ones in red, you know, the Gospels, I ask them, do you really know what he said? And then I take them to Matthew 10, which is where I'm going to take you, verse 5. How, if you think about believing the words of Christ, who is going to restrict his ministry to Israel only. So how can you restrict the words of Christ to only the Gospels when we have the Lord Jesus Christ personally revealing himself to the Apostle Paul and then gave him information that are the words of Christ? You can't do that and then say, I'm honest with the Scripture. Okay? Matthew 10, look at verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Where are they not to go? No Gentile. That's you and I. So the Lord restricts his earthly ministry. He segregates out Israel. He says, Israel is key. Everybody else are dogs. The Samaritans, that's the northern tribes who failed to recognize the authority of, of Jerusalem, and they were therefore 
assimilated out into Assyria, they're, they're, you don't go to them either. You don't talk to them either. That's why when he had the communication with the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and he looks at her and he says, she says, well, we believe in, you know, God's. He goes, you don't know who you believe in. I mean, he cuts her down, just boom, puts her right in her place, see. So w- very clear. Again, you think about the implication here. He just restricted his ministry to who? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, come over to Romans 15. Romans 15. And watch Paul talk about this. Because Paul's our source. He's the one we go to for the source of information today. Romans 15, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. Why? Why was he a minister of the circumcision to the to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. See that? By the way, your new Bibles today pull out the was, and they put in has become, or is, as in if he's, that's what he's doing today. And they just rip up the doctrine that Paul now is going to establish here, that he was a minister of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. The promises prophetically made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the fathers. That isn't your father, my father. You see, the truth of the matter is that when Jesus Christ taught in in his earthly ministry in the Gospels is consistent with all that the prophetic scriptures taught in regards with the promises made unto the fathers. What were they promised? A land, a nation, a kingdom, and a blessing. And what does he do? Luke 24, he says all that, the, all that Moses, the law, and the prophets, and the, and the uh, Psalms said, I fulfilled. He comes in, and his ministry is confirming the time past teaching that he has to do, that has to do with him being the Messiah. He was that. Look down at verse 16. 15, 16. Now watch Paul talking about himself. And again, when Paul talks about himself, he, nine out of ten times he's magnifying his office. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to who? To the Gentiles. Ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? Look at what Paul just said. Hey, what did Matthew 10 say? Don't you go to the Gentiles. Why? They're unclean. They're unacceptable. See, who are we going to go to? 15.8, I'm going to the circumcision. Jesus Christ was, he says, Matthew 10, don't go to the Gentiles. Paul picks that up. He says, listen, why didn't he go to the Gentiles? He's the minister of the circumcision. He's confirming the promises made to the fathers. He's confirming that he's Messiah. He's bringing in, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's confirming that prophetic hope of a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom here on the earth. The truth of God is that Jesus Christ as the Messiah was what? Confirming the promises made unto the fathers. That's true. It's not a lie, see. But what does 15, 16 say? What's true also? The truth of God for today in the age of grace now is that Paul is the minister to who? To the Gentiles. So now the gospel is offered up to whom? To the Gentiles. The first, Matthew 10, don't go to the Gentiles. They're not acceptable. Paul says, you Gentiles are now acceptable. That's two different things. It's not the continuation of one. It's not the same thing. Those are different things. So the first one to declare that the Gentiles are now acceptable and can be reconciled to God through the gospel of of God, uh, 15, 16, see, is who? Paul. So if I'm a Gentile and I'm in a Gentile church at Corinth, why in the world would I go back over here and follow the earthly ministry of Christ who just said, you're nothing but a dog and I ain't talking to you? But some have done what? They've fallen for, oh, but he's the Messiah. 
and he's the kumbaya, and, and they just get sucked into it. Paul's sitting there going, no, 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 don't do that. Come over to 2 Corinthians. You can let chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. You can let Matthew 10 go. You see, folks, both are true. Matthew 10, Romans 15. But yet they're not in what? Agreement. There's a difference there. And the only way to reconcile the two out as being true is to rightly divide the word of truth. Romans 16, 25, we preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret, but now is made. We do preach Christ, we just preach him according to that secret information, see. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 16. Paul says it this way. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, so we don't know him after the flesh, okay? By the way, Paul says the kinsman of, of my flesh, the Jewish system. We don't know him that way. We don't know him according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Rather, how do we know him? Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Rather, we know Jesus Christ in a new way, in a new creature way, a new thing, a new system. We are not replacement Israel. We're not redeemed Israel. We're not reformed Israel. We're not spiritual Israel. What are we? We're a new creature. We're a new man. And that's how. So when they say, well, I'm of Christ and I'm of Paul, they can't be. Peter, think about Cephas. Peter was not an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter would have never gone to a Gentile. Remember Romans 11, Paul says what? I'm the apostle of the Gentiles. Peter would have never, 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 ever, 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 that little woman at the well, the Gentile woman, she's nagging him. Peter goes up and says, Lord, would you just deal with him, with her? Get her to shut up and go away. She's stinking the place up. You think I'm kidding, that's who they, okay? And he goes, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she keeps begging. You see, Peter would have never talked to a Gentile. Remember Acts 10 with Cornelius? Three times the Lord had to convince Pete, it's time to go to, the, to an unclean Gentile. See? Yes? That's the millennial kingdom. That's a future event. Matthew, that's no, okay. Matthew 28 is future. It's after resurrection. It's after uh, prior to ascension, 40 days. They're discussing that about the future kingdom. So in the kingdom, the little flock, Israel, now they're the true Israel of God, will then go out as their mandate of Matthew 28 in the thousand year, the intro, and they will then go out to the Gentiles. Because Israel is now in the proper place, they are redeemed Israel. They're, they're, they're not sinning anymore. They have no sin issue. That's all been dealt with because they have the new covenant in them, John, uh, Jeremiah 31. They've got all that on board now. Everything that they were experiencing in the Acts period is now a uh, legitimate. They were, Hebrews said they first they had a taste of it. Now it's the real deal in the kingdom. So that's, that's where that comes in, okay? But no, that's a good point because in Acts 10, what's Peter say about Cornelius? I ain't going. I'm not going. Three, and finally the Lord says, don't call what unclean what I now call clean. And, and he's using Cornelius to go teach Peter that the change is afoot because that's Acts 10, okay? But then at the same time, when Peter went to Cornelius, what mess, come over there to Acts 10. Think about this. Look at Acts 10. Because Cornelius is one of those guys that gets wrapped around the, the, uh, the, the conspiracy pole from time to time. So Peter, he's got the sheet three times to go. The Lord, he t and by the way, he t he's arguing with the Lord. 
Think about what Peter's doing. The sheet drops down. You got the clean, the unclean, all on the same sheet. And, you know, Peter's, Peter tells the ascended, risen, ascended, seated at the right hand of God the Father, no, three times. He's argue, That's how Peter is so staunch in not going to that Gentile. See? Finally, the Lord said, you need to go. Peter goes. Verse 34. Acts 10.34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is, now watch, no respecter of persons. That is the first time that has ever come out of Peter's mouth. Because in 2 Samuel, in the Old Testament, God is a respecter of persons. Are you, on my, are you in the Abrahamic family or are you not? Which side of the wall are you on? That's the one I'm respecting. What did Pete just say? He's no respecter. Now that wall's coming down. All right, verse uh, uh, 35, but in every nation, now watch, he that feareth him, that'll be God, and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What did Pete just preach? A works salvation, a works gospel. Titus 3, verse 5, Paul says, not by works of righteousness are we saved. What Peter just tell Cornelius? You got to join the little flock. You got to come over here and join the earthly ministry message. You got to come over here and join. You got to work this thing out, Bubba. By the way, he said he. They do believe him. If you look down at verse forty-four, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute, that's our, you see, we got a mess. By the way, verse 46, for they had heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should be not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we all, uh, as well as we. <laughs> and he commanded them to be baptized. See, the order's out of whack, isn't it? Galatians, or Acts 2.38, you got to repent, be baptized, and then get the Holy Ghost. Here, they believed, get the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, do it. and then as a secondary thought, see how unimportant water baptism is becoming even in Peter's ministry. We better water baptize these guys. But what's crazy is the circumcision are standing there and they're going, the Holy Ghost just fell on the Gentiles. What is going on here? The world is turned upside down. That's Peter's ministry. See? So what you have when you get into Peter, come back to chapter, in chapter, in Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, those first three chapters are completely Jewish. And as Peter is referring, look in Acts 2, when Peter is faithfully performing his ministry to the little flock, to the circumcision believers, chapter 2 if you look in chapter 2, if you look at verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and ye that dwell at Jerusalem. Verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus. So who is he talking to? He's not talking to the church, the body of Christ. He's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to who? Jews that are at Jerusalem. Now, oh, well, but Rick, there could have been Gentiles. Yeah, no, duh. I mean, grow up. But that's not who Peter's addressing. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of everybody. The house of who? Israel. Know assuredly that God hath made the same that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye? See, he's not talking to Gentiles. He's, maintaining, he's continuing the ministry that it was started in the earthly ministry, Matthew 10's commission, and he's faithfully carrying out the next component of Matthew 10. He's in here. Now we're done. By the way, 
verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist didn't do that. John the Baptist was repent and be baptized. That was it. They didn't get the Holy Ghost. Now they're getting the Holy See, there's an, an added component. Now come over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. You see, Peter, so if you're going to go follow Peter, you know what you're going to go do? You're li- really what you're going to go do is you're going to go follow the Acts 2 and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit as is evident by the speaking in tongues. So what's going on at Corinth in chapter 12, 13, and 14? They've elevated speaking in tongues as that outward evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When in reality, what were they? Always filled with the Holy Spirit, see. But how how did that get started? Somebody pulled up Acts 2 and said, we need to follow Pete. We need to follow Cephas here. Uh, Galatians 2, verse 9, Paul says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. They perceived Cephas, James, that's the half-brother of the Lord, because Apostle James is dead. This is Acts 15, okay, if you need the timeline. Cephas, there's Peter, there's, and then who? John, the, the last of the sons of thunder here, the one speak. Verse 7, but contrarywise, when they saw, perceived, saw, that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. That Peter didn't see or perceive what was going on with Paul. Think about what Peter knew about Saul of Tarsus. Who was he? He's just a persecutor. He's the guy leading the charge of killing us all. Until what? Acts 15 where he sat down with, with Paul. And Paul did what? He lays out what God's doing through him. He saw it. He perceived it. No clear understanding till Acts 15. Paul and Peter get together occasionally throughout historically, but nothing to this degree where Paul writes his own testimony here and says, you know what? There's, we have an agreement. Now Peter blows it in the rest of the chapter. But even after all of that, Peter still restricts his ministry to who? To the gospel of the circumcision. Who's that? Well, heathen is all the unbelievers. What did Stephen call Israel in Acts 7? Uncircumcised. They're heathen. So then who are the circumcision that Peter's going to go talk to? That's the little flock. Who, by the way, are not in the synagogue. Why? Because the Lord has deemed the synagogue to be dead and to be empty. The rending of the veil exposed to the nation of Israel that God is no longer with them. Because when they rend the veil, what's, and they can see into the holy of holies and the holy place and all that, what's there? God ain't there anymore. He's left them. Why? Because you just killed him. <laughs> he just crucified him. See, there's indictment there. Now, after all of that, come back with me to Acts 18, because we got five minutes again here to look at Apollos and Paul. Acts 18. Peter, people will say, follow him, and their reason for that is because of Acts. And they don't recognize Acts 9 and something new's on board. And again, by the way, Peter has something to say about water baptism, Acts 2.38. Paul, no, we're a spirit baptism, okay? By the way, Paul writes Corinthians in Acts 19. That's 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, Acts 20. And what did he say in Acts 19? I ain't sent to baptize anymore. We're done. Why? Baptism is no longer important. It's insignificant. So who resurrects that? The master of confusion. Again, Acts 2, we're speaking in tongues as that evident... Evidence and proof of having the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul says? There's something far better. Those sign gifts are just going to go away. They're going to cease. They're going to stop. And there's a better way to look at this. And the better is over here in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit. Now you have Apollos in Acts 18. If you look at Acts 18, you got Apollos. 
Again, we're not too far off from what church looks like today at large, do we? You got your, you got your charismatic and Acts 2 benders, and you got your holy, holy roller gospel guys, and they're right there. Now you got Apollos, verse 24. And a certain what? A certain who? Certain Jew, Acts 18, 24. Certain Jew. By the way, notice something with me. Jesus Christ was a Jew, came into his own and his own received. He's a Jew. He was the minister of the circumcision. So who was he talking to? Jews. Peter, he's a Jew. Who's he talking to? Gospel of the circumcision. To the Jews. Apollos, guess what he is? He's a Jew. And who's he going to be talking to? Jews. Who's Paul, by the way? He's a Jew. But who is he? He's the minister to the Gentiles. Hmm, a little different. Common denominator here is a bunch of Jews. So then what are they doing at Corinth? What do we do today? We are replacement Israel. We're spiritual Jews, don't you know? And I'm like, I'm not a Jew. Thank you very much. (laughs) See, they just confuse it up. All right, verse uh, 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexander, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. What Scriptures would he be mighty in if he's an Old Testament? Okay. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. By, by the way, notice he's instructed, he's learning. Aquila and Priscilla are going to bring instruct. He's not, he's not a, it's this way and no other way. He's, he's teachable, okay? He's mighty in the Scripture. Old Testament, verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He's a Jew. He only has the Old Testament Scripture. He's conducting a ministry consistent with John the Baptist. What's John the Baptist's ministry all about? Manifesting and finding and announcing the Messiah. So who's he looking for? He's looking for the Messiah, isn't he? Verse 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard. By the way, Aquila and Priscilla are Jews, just FYI. They took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now watch what happens here. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren rode exhorting the disciples to receive him. Who, and By the way, Achaia, that's Corinth who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. How did he help them? For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. At Corinth, he goes in, Aquila and Priscilla bring him, bring him up to date, if you will. They br- perfectly, all he knew was that John the Baptist And now he knows that Jesus was Christ. He's not preaching Paul's gospel here. This is a part of Paul's, in connection with Paul's provoking ministry. Where is he at? How does he help the Corinthians? He goes into the synagogue and he convinces them that Jesus is Christ. You you follow that? Now, it doesn't mean that later, because obviously he does later kid up with Paul and get you know, get more educated, okay, and get brought up. But the point here is, is when you say Apollos, where are we at? We are, we are reverting back before Christ to John the Baptist. Apollos is still limited in his understanding. He has advanced beyond John the Baptist to the ability to identify that the, ma- that the Messiah has come. He did die, was buried, was resurrected, and here's who he is, and that was Jesus that you just killed. Okay, you follow what's going on here, see? In connect, chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper room, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, and there's some more of John the Baptist's disciples. So this is not an, an odd thing for Apollos. It's a normal thing of the day, apparently. Now, so when you think about Apollos, here he is. You've got to be water baptized, blah, 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 because that's what repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's John's ministry. Aquila and Priscilla hear him and say, hey, by the way, let's bring you up to date here. <laughs> Okay, this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, was Christ. Here's the verses. Here's the Old Testament. 
here it is. And, and, and he goes, well, I'm going to head for Corinth, or I'm going on here. And they write him a, a little uh, hello letter, as their manner was back then, and send him on his way. And he gets there, and he says, here we go. See? Okay, now, give me five minutes, we'll get Paul. Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What are they doing, by the way, with Apollos? Well, he's eloquent in the scriptures, so he's a little easier on the ears. He's a little more likable, if you will, but yet what's he preaching? Well, let's go back to before Christ and let's get John. John, John, John's the way. Why? Because water baptism is now the emphasis with John. See, the law and the prophets were until John. And then when John shows up, now the kingdom of heaven's the issue, and we're all pressing into that. So now we got a kingdom. See, we're just continuing on here. Now, think about Paul, 1 Corinthians 3. Paul, here's the answer to all of the confusion, all of the division, all the contention that we need to understand and recognize the unique ministry and message, by the way, of Christ given to and through the apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 3, look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, Paul, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth on, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Who's the master builder? Who's laying the foundation? Paul is. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Don't confuse that with the mysteries of the kingdom. It doesn't say that. It says the mysteries of God. There's literally seven mysteries that I've counted in Paul. Okay, mystery of the rapture, mystery of iniquity, mystery of his will, dispensational mystery, the mystery of Jesus Christ, the mystery of God, the mystery of godliness. You, you, they're run off, and he says, I'm a steward of that. That's, my, that's what I keep. Uh, verse 16, 416, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. See. Verse 17, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. My ways, here's the answer, follow me, chapter 9, chapter 9. Verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Chapter 11, verse 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's not his earthly ministry. That's on the road to Damascus and subsequent revelations. Chapter 14, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, what do they say? Well, we follow Christ. We're more spiritual than you because we follow the words of Christ in red. See? What are you going to do? Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. You see what Paul's saying? I am God's man today in the age of grace. Of the four, who are more spiritual? <laughs> well, the ones that are going to do what? Acknowledge Paul as their apostle. Paul writes, Paul, if you think about verse 37, what Paul writes supersedes all that has been previously written and taught because it puts that capstone on all the revelation. Okay? So without Paul, you'll, you're going to be left with confusion, with division, with contentions. See? And it's impossible to believe all the verses of the Scripture at the same time because they say different things. And that's, again, where the modern church is. So the modern church is a Corinthian church. Okay. Now, the five minutes are up. We can go back to chapter 1. Next time we'll pick up on the water baptism in verse uh, 14 and following. Okay? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Exactly. Exactly. 
All of it. All of it. Yep. That's so good because it's like, you know, when you're a year or two ahead, that's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you think about that, and that is the great testimony for you and I to not quit, to not give up. Because what we face today is nothing what he faced uh, as, uh, in, in today, okay? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, all right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the folks' patience and looking into these things and rejoicing that you're speaking to us in one source, and that source is our Apostle Paul. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.